No, Nina's energy was infectious, and I was super excited to have more conversations with her that evening. And we ended up extending like dinner, which is usually like an hour to like a three-hour conversation, and we sat there until the restaurant closed, and then we moved on to go get dessert. And then we sat there until that restaurant closed, and we just kept on talking. It was, it was beautiful. Ah, like. Bees, CBs, live in colonies, buzzy MCs with a singer for emergencies. Cooperate to pollinate, never work alone. Just don't bring a honey home to the honeycomb. Good morning. Hello, welcome. We are sitting in our new location that we took four flights and three drives, one jaunt in a little ferry, and one scoot ride all down the coast in order for us to get here. I feel like we're getting to the point where we should say where we are. This period in our trip was always reserved for China. Yeah. Like, we were hoping all year long that by the end of the year, China would be open for tourism. Yeah, and at first we were optimistic. We're like, you know what, let's end off in China in the last three months, right? And yeah. then as things progressed, we were like, Two months will do. Like, two months will be fine. It'll be enough to travel around a little bit, see family, and also maybe take some Chinese lessons for Chris. Yeah. And then time continued to press on, and more news came out that China was not cooperating. Well, it wasn't all bad news. Like, it came and went. Like, it the, did. there it would did be some promising news about suddenly they were lightening up and abandoning COVID zero and. The cities were opening. There's travel happening between like the countries and how like certain people from within China were actually allowed to leave. And maybe there'd be a, a new strain or something. They would go on full panic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because all of the other like Chinese nationals that we've met on this trip, they're so surprised that we can't go into China. They're like, oh, that should totally be a thing. And I'm like, I don't have a Chinese passport. You guys do. That's why it's so easy for you to come and go. I legitimately don't have anything Chinese. You know, it's ironic. Even for people from China, it's hard to separate your ethnicity from your nationality. 100%. I think. They're surprised because my Chinese is so good. They're like, wait, what? They also don't know that the tourist visa hadn't been reinstated. Yeah, because they don't need to worry about that. Which tells me that the government is sending a message internally that everything's normal. Like, oh yeah, everything's back to normal. Look at all these people coming and going as long as they meet this rigid criteria and submit to blood tests. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Long story short, China's not open for tourists. So we decided that no matter what happens, we'll finish off our year in Taiwan because basically all of the return flights to Vancouver are routed through Taiwan anyway. So we're like, you know, it'll be expensive to book this flight home last minute since we know we're going to be in Taiwan. Let's spend a month there. So our last month is going to be in Taiwan, but this left a three and a half week hole in our itinerary. Yeah. And we agonized over where we would spend it. I would say agonized. It was pretty clear. I don't know what a lighter version of agonized is. We mildly irritated. And originally when Justin and I started on this trip, we were like, if we ever hit a low and we don't know what to do with ourselves, maybe we'll just go to somewhere like Costa Rica and just chill yeah, for a while. Something comfortable, something that we know, something that will just like, make you feel really relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. And 
obviously, now that we have a flight booked from Taiwan to Vancouver in April. Yeah, it's making a ton of sense. So it's four grand in itself, just for tickets. Yeah, three, four grand. So we thought long and hard about like if we had our druthers, and we do. Mm -hmm. uh, We're in firm possession of our druthers. Where would we go? Where would we spend this time? Where have we been the happiest? Where matches all those criteria that we had originally set out for ourselves that Costa Rica hit. And the result of all that was, honestly, the clear winner. The land of smiles! Hello! <laughs> yeah, we could have not. It's only been five weeks that we've been away, but honestly, we've had, like, Thailand postpartum ever since we left. <laughs> postpartum. Postpartum. Postpartum depression from Thailand. Yeah. So here we are back in beautiful Colanza. Back in our suite. Back in the loving embrace of Odd and crew from the Diamond Cliff. Yeah. It's funny, we have the exact same room. When we came back, we're like, so uh, which room are we in? And they're like, same one. That's really nice. And we, when we walked in, it was just so. It felt like home. Yeah, it honestly felt like coming home. Yeah. You know everything. You know every inch, every corner. I was talking to Nicole, and I was saying that I was kind of down when we were in Philippines, because yeah. it was just, like, sad, like, sunless, seasonal affective disorder sad. Yeah. And she asked if I'm feeling any better now that we're in Thailand. I was like, it's like somebody turned on a light switch. It's like night and day. Like, yeah. as soon as we got here... It was immediately, like, clear blue sky, hot, sunny, bird sounds, like, just... And everybody that we had originally had relationships with, I guess we did a good job of keeping them. Because they were all so happy to see us. Which is funny, because we were only here for six weeks. Like, it felt like a long time to us, but the people who are here see people come and go all the time. All the time, yeah. So, that was really nice. Yeah. And then the people at the gym and people at... Yeah, yeah upon... From like she was just like she's like oh just just head on to the back of our place. It's funny because we went back to the same place to rent a scooter that we did the first time we were here, and Jess had a good experience because she reminded the lady of her daughter and we got a really good deal. But it was still fairly transactional. Yeah. And this time, when she saw us, she was happy to see Jess, and for her to be like, you know, I'm just working with these people right now. Why don't you two just set your bags down, walk through my place to the back. There's a deck back there. You can sit by the water and just like relax, chill for a bit. And as we were walking back there, it was like hidden level unlocked. Like yeah. we had no idea that this beautiful terrace over the water was back there. And it was like being in an RPG. It was like now coming back to this place. Yeah, like you had completed a previous like side quest mission for this vendor before. And now it's like unlocked a new area. Yeah, where you can like enjoy like the spoils of you being able to have completed that quest. Yeah, it, awesome. it totally felt like we leveled up. It really has a unique feeling. Yeah. And when we came back to the gym too, because I'm going to keep training, the owner was super happy to see me. She FaceTimed uh, my trainer, Art. And like made him like say hi to me like Christmas back. Christmas back. Christmas back. <laughs> I saw her and she gave me a big hug. Yeah, she was so happy. Yeah, to see. she was so happy to see us. So here we are back in Thailand's loving embrace. Like honestly, 
I wouldn't be mad if this was just where I spent the rest of my life. If I could bring my family here, that's the only thing. Yeah, that's true. Oh, and Odd at Diamond Cliff, our very first night there, like, I wasn't feeling very great, and neither was Chris. We were both super exhausted from our big day of travel. We went to dinner at the Diamond Cliff, of course, and before we left, Odd comes over with three glasses of, like, rum. Three big glasses of rum. <laughs> this is welcome drink. Okay. Yeah, it's like, yeah, thank you, Odd. Like, I'm maybe not going to finish all this rum that you poured for me. He's like, yeah. it's okay, it's okay. He's like, it's too shot. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. It was so funny. He, like, finished his in one, and we were, like, slowly sipping it. Like, yeah. oh, oh. It was good, though. It was spicy, and it was warm. So now with all of this new perspective and context, we immediately started to feel like our old selves again. Yeah. It was just like, like Jess said yesterday, it was like Philippines and Singapore were just like a fever dream. Yeah. But for me, it's surreal to be back here, you know, staring back at this beautiful blue ocean and beautiful blue sky. It's like mm-hmm. just seeing that like bright red brown sun every night. Every sunset. Yes. Huge. Yeah. yeah. And now looking back on Philippines and even Singapore, where it was just like raining for a month straight to go from like summer to winter to summer in such a tight span feels so surreal. So it's with this context that we do a bit of Philippines wrap up. And I can say now with a clear conscience that everything was just a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I think that anything after... Thailand would be extremely difficult to beat. Yeah, it's tough to follow. Yeah. All of the people that we met that came through the place we were staying all said the same thing. I had no idea it was going to be raining like this. I didn't know it was going to look like this. It was just kind of a a confluence of dark forces. Yeah. There were days that people got lucky where they were able to go out on like boat tours and stuff, but would come home absolutely drenched because it'd be pouring on the entire boat ride home. And after maybe one or two conversations with people and like seeing them come home like this, Chris and I were like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Yeah. We're just going to avoid those. Even on the last day that we were there, we were like, let's do a cruise around the island like we used to. We're going to go to the big supermarket. We'll go back through that little town that Jess loves so much. Maybe take a windy Oceanside Road home yeah. after that. And we got about two minutes down the road and, and just boring. like thunderclouds yeah. rolled in. It was just like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Fuck yeah. it. Goodbye. Goodbye, Shark Goodbye, Shark <laughs> We tried. It was so funny. We walked in and Nina was like, huh? Really? Yeah, it started raining. It started raining. I'm too old for that. Yeah. Fuck this. Yeah, I agonized a bit about how much of this to talk about, but it's tough to go in the middle of wet season. And there's like tons of mosquitoes. It's raining every day. And like, not only that, but the area specifically was like pretty post-apocalyptic from this typhoon that happened yeah. a year ago. It's that there were so many, like, flood and drought warnings that would come through. Not and Landslide warnings, sorry. That's what I was trying to think of, but... It's like, man, that is extreme. <laughs> First a flood, then a drought, then a flood, then a drought. Jesus. Landslide warnings. And then we literally sat through a... An earthquake, yeah. That was like... 10 kilometers offshore was the epicenter of this 5.0 earthquake. Yeah. So I basically just sat in our room and held one another. Jessica clutched my forearm. He legitimately thought it was like a train going by. Yeah, Jess was like, do you feel that's an earthquake? <laughs> like, oh, I just assumed it was like a train or something. Like, we're in the middle of fucking nowhere. There's <laughs> no train. <laughs> yeah, like Inception. You know where you hope this train will take you? 
you can't know for sure. I held on to him, and then once he realized what was happening, he held on to me back. And we just sat there and looked at each other until it passed. Man, definitely first earthquake I've ever been a part of. So between the the flooding and the rainfall and the lack of sun and the earthquake and the mosquitoes and the devastation from natural disasters and everything just being like a few degrees off. It was uh, it was challenging to stay positive. I, I haven't gone back and edited the Sargout episodes yet, but I'm sure that when I do, I'm going to be like, holy fuck, I can't even publish this. Like, it's so depressing. We might not have we, not, we might not be able to. I mean, you know, they're real experiences. They, are, they yeah. just will just change genre for a bit. It'll be like the traveling hive begins. We're in Chicago. <laughs> so, retrospective. Where are the questions? You've got the question. Wrap up country questions. All right. What was the high point in Chicago? Uh, the night out with Marianne and Nina. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that on the last episode. It was like a single night that was taken out of Shargao context. Actually, it was a night that we decided to create a good time. Regardless. Regardless. Yeah. And I think it would be possible to do that all the time if we chose to. Yes. But it's a lot of adversity to decide to compete with. Like, you could not let it affect you. Get out of your head. Get out of your place. Bring a friggin' umbrella and just go have a good time all the time. That night we did that. Credit to Nina and Marion brought her own energy. Yeah. But yeah, that was definitely fantastic. A close second for me would be the day that we spent at Secret Beach with Nina. Mm-hmm. Both times with Nina, because Nina's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about our episode with Nina. Our last one. So all of you listening to this will have already heard it. So I don't need to say that Nina's sweet. You just heard her talk for like an hour. Yeah, and she is sweet. Like, in both ways. Like, sweet, but like also, like, sweet. Nina's pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> What was the low point of our time in Chicago? Like, the lowest point? Um, maybe when I was there, but honestly, I feel like the lowest point was right when we got there. Because it wasn't what we had expected. We didn't really know what we were getting into. And we were having a hard time sort of getting situated and... It just kind of all started off on the wrong foot, you know? Like, my situation with feeling out of place in Secret Spot, you and Kian not really hitting it off right away. That was my yeah. side trainer, though. And then the scooter just kept on being, like, demoted every single time until we got, like, one last one that was, like, kind of crap. Yeah, no points. And I'm just trying to paint a picture of our very first few nights there. Yeah, you were in your head and you had social anxiety about the people that were there because they were like standoffish to you. So we learned later from our host, maybe you can quote her better than I can, but the gist of it is that they see a lot of couples come through and they see like white guy, Asian girl, and she, in her words, was feeling like she didn't know what kind of relationship we had, which is fucked up thing to say to somebody like oh i didn't know if you were like a prostitute like what the fuck did you just say to me yeah like the fuck so it's just weird energy just as feeling like the people were judging her like the staff a little bit but just did confront it and be like hey are we cool like is there something bothering you and yeah the host kind of opened up and was like look it's not you it's just these circumstances and you know 
I'm sure you're very nice and like, sorry for acting this way, but you know, we're cool. Yeah. And it got better, you know, and thinking back on it now, I kind of feel like Chargao is a bit of a success story. It was such a shock to the system, but we were able to make it into the experience that we wished it was. And we had to take a lot of responsibility ourselves for the situation that we were in, or at least I did, where, um, and I think you did as well with Keon as well, by going up to him and being like, hey man, like, probably yeah. started off on the wrong foot. Yeah, I want to apologize yeah. for the energy that I brought in. Yeah, for sure. And I'll tell that story in a minute. <laughs> but um, for myself, it was basically like feeling as though everything wasn't really working out just based on the energy that we had originally in Thailand and the energy that we had in Singapore. So my part that I played was basically that I was like, where, you know, like, it's not sunny. It's not what I want. The beach is close, but it's not like the same beach and there's so many mosquitoes. And I just like started to get into my head and list off reasons why like I wasn't going to have a good time. And until that mindset switched in my head, I kind of let it consume me for a few days. And then I got really sick. And then after I was really sick, I was just like, this is not how I want to spend my time here. Like, I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be upset. I don't want to be sick. And I want to actually get out and do stuff. And after that sort of, like, wake-up call, because I basically was like a vegetable in the room for two days, only eating peanut butter and crackers, because I was so, so, like, not hungry. Um, I realized that I there's so much more to this island that we haven't explored. Yeah. We still didn't end up exploring that much of it, but at least we did. We resolved to have a good experience. Yeah. And we did. And we did go out. And that's when I was like, you know what? Like, I want to make friends with our host. Like, I want to make sure that, like, me and Nina went for lunch. And like, or went yeah. for dinner and like hung out and stuff. And it was awesome. We had a great time. We're taking a lot of credit for this change, but Nina was relentlessly positive energy. <laughs> Seriously, I think that we need to give her some credit for rubbing off on us. After the day at Secret Beat with Nina, Nina and I went out for dinner that night, right? And after the spending the day with her, usually like my introverted self is like, okay, I've had enough like time with this person. Like I'm going to now sit in a hole for two days. But no, Nina's energy was infectious. And I was super excited to have more conversations with her that evening. And we ended up extending like dinner, which is usually like an hour to like a three hour conversation. And we sat there until... The restaurant closed and then we moved on to go get dessert and then we sat there until that restaurant closed and we just kept on talking it was it was beautiful coming back to the narrative thread about it being a success sorry, story sorry no don't apologize that's an interesting and important context right i just don't want to lose the arc yeah something i was thinking about while we were talking about being so mara in the beginning it was like all about privilege like we were so super privileged in Thailand. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean the weather. I mean, yeah. the way that we were treated, the way that everything just like worked out for us. And it felt like the universe was just clearing a path for us to have a great time. And yeah. that's great and should be like appreciated. Yeah. 
but the universe doesn't owe you that. And for a lot of people, when they go on vacation, they go to just one place. And regardless of how that turns out to be, it's probably better than the life that they're taking a break from. And everybody that came through there generally, like that place was their whole vacation. And for us to get to Chagao, get to Philippines, and just be like, ugh, this place is not as good as the place that we just came from. Like, it's not bad. It's not as good as like the height that was online. That's fair. Yeah. But I do want to say that, like, in terms of taking responsibility for our experience, a big part of it was checking our privilege. Yeah. And being like, hang on a second, this is not what we came from, but it's still a great opportunity and a new experience, and we need to stop comparing it to other things because that way lies damnation. Like that's just a recipe for a disappointment. Exactly. Um, but to your point, there was a lot of hype about it. So like we originally found it through this like YouTube influencer and he's like, there's all these videos of the Island and there's these beautiful pictures of our accommodations and these beautiful pictures of the gym next door. It was all from before the typhoon. I'm saying that our experience was worse than the devastation of the typhoon, but we did have a false sense of what we were coming into. Yeah, it's funny to be like, oh, this place was completely destroyed and it inconvenienced me. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) it inconvenienced a lot of people, maybe a little worse than you. Yeah, especially because everybody had to deal with nobody coming and still needing to like rebuild. It did take us like a couple weeks to get out of that and be like, we're going to rise above this you know disappointment that's really more about us than it is about this place yeah let's find the beauty that is here and then we started meeting nice people honestly it was just the people like i met that it was just the people the people were fantastic i met that dude jim who was a dancer and pulled his hamstring and and i was complaining about not being able to do the splits because my hip was bothering me so he recommended this mobility class at this CrossFit place. So we went and did a mobility class at seven in the morning. And that was a cool experience. And we started to like find more places around the island and yeah. like find the thriving part of the community there. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, pizza and pasta at Kermit. Yeah, we had an amazing restaurant experience at Kermit. Yeah, we found a lot of little tiny places like Catan and Bubboy. And that was really delicious. Mm-hmm. You had your first um, Sinigang. The tamarind soup. Right. That was, like, super sour. Yeah. Um, Even, like, your talk with our host. We got a flat tire, and it led to our host letting us use her motorbike to go to this restaurant, which was really sweet of her. But that was as a result of just taking ownership of the strange energy in the place and, like, working through it. And then it opened up a new opportunity to, like, go to this restaurant that we really wanted to go to. Yeah, because I ended up opening myself up more to having a conversation with her. Yeah. Having conversations with her. It was a bit, I'm going to call it Shrek out tough love. It's a bit of tough love. Um, yeah, I think there needs to be responsibility on both ends. But the responsibility that we took on ourselves was definitely necessary in order to make it work. Because even if the other side you know, was absolutely perfect or whatever. Like, if we were still in the same mindset, it would have still been a shitty time. Yeah, focusing on the effect on us instead of the fact that we were in, you know, someone's home that they loved and cherished and... Put a lot of time and effort into. Yeah, and and there really is a thriving community in General Luna. It's just that it's, like, underground. Like, you need to find it. 
I feel like it's not really available to your like casual tourist. Mm-hmm. It's like insulated from your casual tourists. The, yeah. the people who are really trying to build something there aren't trying to be a part of the tourism industry. They're just trying to like build a cool community. Absolutely. And then when we went for cocktails with Nina and Marion, we met with that guy Jim again out at cocktails. And we started to like meet people around. And ultimately, there are only certain places that people go. Tourists probably go everywhere and like sprinkle themselves around. But like in terms of like the locals and like the people who are there long term, there's only like certain places they go. So I guess the question was, what was the low point in Chargao? And the answer was, yeah. That's at the beginning and then not again. Yeah. What a turnaround. Chargao stayed the same. We changed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's one place we would go back to? In terms of Chargao? Philippines, we'll say, because we were in Cebu also. Um, I do feel like we didn't go at the right time. I feel like we went to Chargao during competition season, like September, October, where it's not too fucking hot and it's not too rainy. And it's bustling. And it's bustling. I think that we would actually have like a really great time. But if I were to pick a specific place, I would probably pick Manu, the cocktail bar. Yeah, we really enjoyed that spot. I couldn't believe how delicious their cocktails were. So delicious. That datu, I will bring with it. That's so interesting. Their cocktail menu was architected by some like world-class bartender from New York who came through and made all these really interesting recipes for them. I mean, it, it feels like it, it does have potential to really be an international destination again. For me, the one place I would go back to Honestly, I would be interested to go back to Cloud9 when there's actually waves there. That's what I mean. Yeah, like during competitions. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not for me surfing during yeah, competitions. Like, even, but I'd love to see people surf on those like, blue-white waves. What's one thing to change about one day? Oh. I would go back to the day that I started going to the gym and met Kian. Mm-hmm. Change that relationship. Change the relationship because I came in super privileged with a chip on my shoulder first of all expecting for the gym to be a certain thing because of the image that it projects online yeah. second of all with my own set of expectations that i brought from thailand because i'd been so lucky to work out where i'd been working out yeah and it just created an environment for not being appreciative right yeah because it's like i don't know if i've described it in too much detail but the picture it, it was like two levels like had an inside and an outside and it's this massive like training area up top on this like open veranda with like punching bags and equipment and these photos of like all these smiling people working out in the sun it's like massive team and there's a restaurant underneath you get there and it looked literally looked like a bomb went off what ended up happening was i negotiated a price for the month to work out in which i training with kian who's the trainer at this like blown out gym and I talked about, you know, maybe I want to get some gloves and maybe I want to come all the time. And like, maybe I'll do some extra like fit classes because I just come from Thailand and I was all hot and bothered to keep my fitness up. And we kind of knew even at that point that we were probably going to go back. But I had all this expectation and I know the version of myself that Kian met. And it's not a version of me that I'm proud of because um, I can be super pretentious when something doesn't live up to my expectation i can be super cutting and just like dismissive and in the end i was kind of like 
maybe I'll also buy gloves, but like only if you give me a discount. Cause like my disappointment was palpable where I was like this whole experience, like now having come and seen it, it's not worth what I thought it was going to be worth. So like if, if I'm going to also get gloves from you, if I'm also going to do anything else, like it better be discounted. And I think it like fundamentally like hurt Kian's pride. Yeah. And I apologize after like I, I recognized that he was acting different around me after that. And I apologize for coming there with all that expectation and baggage, but you can't like undo that first impression. Sure. Yeah. And it never really like, we got along okay, but it never really recovered. And I just wish I could go back and respect that this one experience for me was his like whole existence and just, yeah. just respect that, like the sanctity of that. You know, it's somebody's life that you're putting down or somebody's somebody's life that's not good enough for you. You know, that's that's pretty fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Opportunities for growth. <sighs> Is there anything you would change about one day? Um, not really. Nothing as extravagant or extreme as yours. Um, nothing as intense as yours, but I would probably wish that... I had been brave enough to get on the scooter sooner to actually go out and do things like myself. Mm. It was just all wobbly and wonky and it didn't really start. Yeah, it wasn't very reliable. Yeah, it wasn't very reliable and I was always so scared that like I would just be stuck somewhere out there with like a bike that couldn't start and I wouldn't be able to get home and stuff and then internet was and data was so spotty that like I if I was in a dead zone like I just wouldn't know what to do but that's because I didn't really like have any faith in the people around me to help but now I do feel like if I really did need help somebody would always be there somebody would help you yeah I think for me it it honestly isn't really a day it's just I wish I could have changed my mindset sooner yeah it took us a while to get out of our own asses yeah talking about the relationship with Kian while I'm on it, I was going three days a week to training and it's in this tiny little like cramped yoga studio with one small window in the top corner and like eight, nine people in it sweating their asses off. Like the mirror would get so fogged up. The floor would literally be covered in a layer of sweat to the point where you couldn't kick properly because your, your foot, slide. Your foot would slide if yeah. you were off balance so you couldn't really like put yourself into your kick which is maybe good training for balance but didn't make me feel very safe and anyway it was just like a it was not ideal circumstances to work out we were so close together that one day there was this like german girl that came into a class and it was her first time coming i think we were doing jump rope and her rope hit the rope of the person in front of her and like whipped back and lashed her across the eye and she had like this big red welt down her forehead to her cheek like it was close quarters like nothing about it was ideal yeah but i kept going and kind of repaired my relationship with kian a bit and they were supposed to be sparring on saturdays but two weekends in a row i was the only person who came because i was just like next door and because jess and i don't really drink very often i was like one of the few people who wasn't hung over on saturdays so i would come in it was just me and Kian. And the first time I caught a solid instep across my jaw. And I was like, fuck, I've never been kicked in the face before. Like, that was real. It wasn't full power, but but I was like, ah, I see what you're doing. Yeah, fuck you a bit. Like, I mean, 
I told him that I might fight in Thailand. And so I think he was trying to like, it's like, okay, well, you need to learn like how to actually spar then. That's one thing I appreciate about his training. And then next weekend that we came, I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder. I was like, okay, this time I'm going to give her. If you're going to hit me, I'm going to hit you. And he tried to do like a spinning back fist, like turn around and like give me like a backhand fist across my cheek. But right then I tried to kick him and I need him square in the tailbone with all of my might. Just crunched his tailbone and put him out of commission, like solidly out of commission where he just like had to stop. Yeah, and you only saw him one time after that, and then he left. <laughs> yeah, and then he went to Manila. You know, I, I don't think I ever told you the story, but that day that we were sparring, he told me a story that after the typhoon, everyone left, and he was one of, like, two people that was left at the gym. And he had no real trainers here. Like, nobody was training him anymore. He was yeah. just, like, holding down the fort. And I think it was in Manila. He wanted to go do a fight. And he was trying to like keep the reputation up of the gym in General Luna and he was trying to represent the community. So he flew to Manila, just him and his girlfriend. Yeah. They went to Manila for him to go and fight. He had nobody in his corner. It was just him. And like the local people back home like knew that he had gone to Manila to represent the gym and yeah. were like cheering for him, but he was there by himself, just him and his, his girlfriend watching. And he lost it on points. Like the judges scored at a loss but he's yeah. like i know that i won that fight like i i gave it everything i had i definitely hit that guy more than he hit me like yeah. i know i won that it was just like politics right. like they didn't know me and they just wanted that person to win everybody in there was against me but i won in my heart and um and then i need him in the tailbone and destroyed him right after he told that story i was like okay well now i'm gonna break you like I, I guess we haven't watched Bloodsport yet. That should be like the next one we watch. Maybe not before I fight, but Jean-Claude Van Damme has a friend. He's like a big biker guy and he gets completely broken. And that's when Van Damme's like, oh, I gotta fight him. But that's basically what I did to Kim. Isn't that the same plot for the Muay Thai one where his brother goes and gets completely broken and then he goes, I want to fight him. Let's not put too much thought into it. You get a winning movie formula and you do that. And that's... Sounds stupid to me. Uh, you really enjoyed Kickboxer. But that's because I thought that that was the only movie with that plot. That's stupid. Yeah. It's a good story, though. And, yeah. you know, and I did I did come to respect Ian. He was, to me, he was a bit... And you're never going to learn how to be the best Muay Thai fighter. Well, not that you want to, I don't know, but from the same guy. No. You, you learn so much more technique and like perspective. Perspective. And, and also, I feel like you're a lot more um, agile now because of Kian. Yeah, she was fucking fast. I on it. I agree with you. I think I'm more agile now because of Kian too. Yeah, because like he instilled the fear of God in you. Yeah, he just, he just kept being like, hit faster, hit faster. Like, it's yeah. not about power. Hit faster. Yeah. It doesn't matter how powerful you are if you can't fucking hit me. Hit yeah. faster. Yeah, if you can't make a hit, then, like, it doesn't really matter, like, whether or not your hit is actually going to be worth anything. Yeah, and I noticed that yesterday when I was hitting pads here, I was a lot faster than I remember. Yeah. And Suk, he was impressed with me, I think. Was he? I think he was surprised. I think that there is something to do with how, like, um, how lean you are now, though. That I'm faster. Yeah. Yeah. I, you have less weight to like lift 
your legs and your arms with. Yeah, I've lost um, five pounds since we left Thailand. I lost five pounds in the last month. But not on purpose, again. Fuck, not on purpose. Yeah, just because you work out in a sweaty-ass room. What was a place or activity that lived up to the height? Secret Beach. Secret Beach, a, a million percent lived up to the height. Yeah. I wish that we'd gone when the tide was up, though, so we could... Yeah. But, yeah, Secret Beach definitely Secret did. Beach was awesome. For me, when we got to Cloud Nine, it wasn't the right conditions that day, but I could see why it was what it was. Absolutely, yeah. So... I'm going to give that half points. What was better than in Canada? I want to say the play. The play. There was a lot of play that we witnessed. Out in the rain, playing volleyball, like hanging out in the mud, jumping into the water. There were so many times yeah. that you and I drove past, like just kids just like laughing their asses off, just like playing on the side of the road or like playing basketball. That is a great one. There was a lot of kids playing outside. The play yeah. was so much better. Yeah. I agree. I think it's because the kids don't have cell phones or video games. That was really good. Better than in Canada. Like, that's how I remember being when I was a kid. And I feel like it's just not like that anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say Nina. Nina's better than in Canada without Nina. <laughs> that's really nice. <laughs> Canada doesn't have Nina. That's better. But better in general. <laughs> what was worse than in Canada? Everything else. No, I'm just kidding. Honestly, the rain was... I come to realize that Vancouver kind of has a wet season. Yeah. Um, but the rain in Chagall was just so oppressive. I'm going to say the rain. I mean, it's like monsoon versus just like rain. Yeah. What for you was worse than in Canada? What for me was worse than in Canada? Um, produce selection. But Canada's privileged that way for like organics and stuff. It was just... Um, all I know is that a lot of the groceries separate out the good for restaurants and they oh, keep they the bad, the, right? Yeah. They, they leave like whatever else. Even though that also happens in Canada, there's still like a lot of like quite good stuff to choose from in terms of organics. What was the single best thing about the country? Um honestly like the the landscape in terms of like the natural landscape. I loved it. I loved the natural landscape so much. Especially when you did get a, like, a clear blue sky with clouds. And then you see these, like, giant leaning palms. It's probably one of the most magical drives. You know how, like, the expanse of, like, rice fields plus, like, the limestone, like, rocks in the northern Vietnam drive that we had? That was beautiful. But this sort of amazing stretch of pure jungle with the blue sky and the contrast between the the palms and the sky and everything and the water i don't know i can't i can't explain it but it just looks like this like tropical haven absolutely breathtaking we did see some amazing views yeah i haven't talked about it very much but thinking about it from a country perspective like we did get a lot of exposure to manila because so many of the people that we hung out with were from manila and I talked a lot with Nina about the politics because she's quite educated on the issues. She had a really interesting and developed perspective on the national politics. And I'm sad for the state that it's a bit almost like a monarchy. There's like heritage rulership where it's like legacy, like in certain families, they just retain control of the country. It's like not really a democracy. 
Um, there's a lot of difficult like social issues, like obviously the division between rich and poor. Like Nina is not from the same class, for example, as most of the people on the island that live there. There was a lot of that, but also there was a lot of passion and compassion to improve the state. And a lot of the people that we met were like really strongly nationalistic, but not in the way that you think of in, in the U.S. being like militant, more like care a lot about their countrymen, yeah. for lack of a better word, yeah. like care about improving the state of the islands and yeah. like really want to improve the quality of life for the people and recognize that they're kind of being kept down. Like Philippines has a lot of natural resource wealth. Philippines yeah. has a lot of industry and it has a massive economy and so many people are unable to participate, like don't have access to the economy. And a lot of the people we met really wanted to do something about it. And I, and I think it's really promising for the future of Philippines and something that I appreciate about the culture there is that people give a fuck. There's not this like apathy we didn't, I didn't feel this, the same apathy from people in like the upper middle class that you feel in Canada of like, you know, every person for themselves, not my problem. Can't make a difference anyways. The divine hand of the free market. If somebody's doing shitty in society, they probably deserve it. You know what right. I mean? Like this like fatalistic view of like, well, I'm doing well because I made good choices and I deserve it. You're doing bad because you made bad choices and you deserve it. And they didn't have this like fatalistic view of social order. You know, I actually, I agree with that. And it almost feels like um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who moved out of Manila to these like smaller islands because I can't make a difference in Manila. So instead of just like not making a difference, I am going to go somewhere where I can make a difference and it's going to benefit my people. And it's like, I would want to do that. And that, that's amazing. It's inspiring. And it is. It it did cross my mind. Like if you want to make a dent, like there's a good that's a good place to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And it there's like an inherent trust between the people. You know? Like if you're Filipino and I'm Filipino, there is already like an inherent trust bond. But you don't really have that in Canada. Nobody really inherently trusts the other just because you're Canadian. In Calgary, not Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to go from a big town to a small town and all the small town people are going to be like, you're here for the right reasons. Yeah, look at you, disdain and skepticism. Exactly. But here it's like, oh, you're from Manila? Cool. It's like, what did you do there? And it's like, are you going to, you know, contribute to the community here? Because, you know, that's what we do. And as long as your answer is yes, like, you're fucking golden makes me think differently like that trust is there for a reason it's because people's heart is in the right place and it yeah. makes me think differently about the filipino expats in canada or in other places like i think a big part of the philippine economy is the remittances the money that's sent home from abroad mm. from filipino nationals working in other countries and sending remittances back to their families yeah. people like sunshine right Growing up in BC, I've met I don't know, a handful of Filipino people and I had this sense of what their situation probably was, you know, but I think about it completely differently now when I think when I when I see Philippines and especially in the smaller towns, you know, the less developed areas needing so much support 
I feel a lot more for the people who go abroad and send a big chunk of that wealth back home. Like, I always thought about it just as nationalism, like, oh, I'm going to go make money here, but I'm going to send it back to my country because I still identify as being like my own nationality. But now I see it more as like compassion for my people. Like, I'm going to go and make money here, but I'm not, I haven't forgotten about how much need there is where I came from. Like, yeah, I'm improving my lot in life, but I haven't forgotten where I come from. It's funny. It's like you're saying the exact same thing, but with different intentions. But that's the nuance of the difference. That's what's like changed. Yeah. It. I like that. I'm glad. There's this well-known understanding in the Asian community where it's like, if you're in with a Filipino person, you're in with a hundred Filipino people. Yeah. Like they're just a giant family, and it's not really like that in other Asian countries. Like it's very specific to Filipino people, but it's it's true. Like, literally, like, once you know one Filipino person, like, you're going to get to know them all. You're going to meet all of them, and they're all brothers and sisters and cousins, like, in their hearts. Not like, by blood, but, like, in their hearts. And and that's a beautiful thing. It's a strong community. Absolutely. That's, strong. That's Super strong. another thing that's better than in Canada. Like, there's so much apathy in Canada. It's yeah. Like so much apathy. It's almost like a defining characteristic. Yeah. I think everybody just, like, has this sense that, like, you know, I need you to see me as an individual. I need you to see me for who I am. But really, like, what's beautiful is when you're, like, I know I'm an individual, but, like, I want to be together. I want to contribute to this greater community where, like, you and I look out for one another, you know? Yeah. So... It took a while for us to come to appreciate these things that we weren't expecting to find. We fixated a lot on things that we were expecting to find, but didn't. But ultimately, like, this place, Shogun, really was us finding community. We did honestly find our That is, like, the thing that we took away from this experience was the the feeling of community. But first we had to earn it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We We had to change ourselves first. It's funny that it all happened in such a short period of time. We were only in General Luna for like three weeks. Yeah. Three and a half weeks. Yeah. And after the first week and a bit, after we changed, everything just sort of fell into place. Yeah. It was like a trial that we needed to overcome. Yeah. It was a really good lesson. And I'm glad that we did embrace it rather than reject it the whole time. (laughs) But I'm a little ashamed that it took so long. Like, I'm not proud of the person that I first presented to Philippines. Yeah. But Nina was the first one that gave us a chance and was like, I I think that these people are good people and like let us in. And then it's funny because Nina constantly was talking about how like she used to be very much like that as well. And then all of a sudden, one day, she was just like, like she said, like the universe just kept on throwing people at her and being like, look at how valuable these people are. And she just kept on being surprised by their value to the point where she was just like, I'm never going to close myself off to people and what they could possibly like bring, you know, because there's always intrinsic value in, in, in everybody. And that sort of mindset is really powerful. What's one thing 
Philippines and or Shargao could learn from you if they would just shut the hell up and listen for a second? Uh, just like some cages with cloths on it over top of your chickens. So that they don't shit on each other? No, so that they just always think it's nighttime. Oh, yeah, man. It's like <laughs> the land of the 24-hour cockadoodle-doo. Like, yeah. where do you think the sun is right now? Like, yeah. why are you broken in your brains? Hey, hey. But in reality, if Trigar could learn anything from me, it's that uh, appearances can be deceiving. And I feel like that's what you learned from Shargao. <laughs> that's also what I think that Shargao could learn from me is because now that I've learned this lesson, it's a good one to continue perpetuating. Because there were instances where it was like, what are you two? <clears throat> right? Like, we were also perceived in a certain light. Yeah, that's fair. And so it's kind of like, if you want that respect, you've got to give it as well. And so I think that that's what I would say. Yeah, I think, like, for example, some of my interaction with Kian was because I came in with a lot of privilege and some of it was because he thought he knew what I was the moment he saw me. Yeah, which was just like a guy made of money who didn't really give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. He 100% thought I was made of money. Yeah. And that pissed me off right yeah. away. For me, the one thing that Philippines can learn from me, if they would just shut up and fucking listen, this is directed at the government, like invest in the infrastructure in your country because health is economic growth. Yeah. And specifically clean water. This was the first country that we've been to where we kind of had to use the tap water for the dishes and stuff. And we are really fucking sick. And I'm not saying for sure it was the tap water, but probably it was the fucking tap water. Like, you know it floods. You know that there's groundwater issues. Just invest in a proper fucking water processing plant. Fix the piping. Like, give the people some clean fucking water. If the government cared a, a fraction as much as the people, this would be addressed. And this is a real big fucking problem. It's just straight up neglect. Like fix it. There's yeah. no excuse. That's why, like, fresh water is so expensive, right? You've got to buy them in bulk, and I feel like government profits from that somehow. Yeah, for sure there's lobbying from yeah. these, like, water, private water companies being yeah. like, just get your water from us. Why would you need to build a plant? Yeah. But honestly, Philippines has opportunity to, like so many places we've been, it has opportunity to grow and thrive if the government would just invest in the fundamentals. Yeah. Like, it's so... Like, I literally was boiling eggs, and one of the ates, which is a big sister in uh, Tagalog, came up to me and was just like... Don't boil them in the... Yeah, don't boil them in the tap water. Just, like, fill the pot with the clean water and then boil the eggs. And I was, like, taken aback. I was like, they have a natural little shell. And she was like, no, yeah, don't do it. We haven't seen anything like that since Lebanon. Like, the last person to say that to me was Sarah... When I was like, what do you mean I can't boil the water to make my coffee? It's boiled. And she's like, nah, it's toxic. Like, yeah, just use the bottled water and dump it in there. There's more yeah. problems here than just bacteria. Like, don't yeah. don't even drink the boiled water. Yeah. Like, that's a fucking problem. Yeah. Honestly, there is wealth. Like, there's massive oil reserves yeah. off the coast of Philippines. And they're still discovering them. Like, you can't provide clean tap water for your people. Like, fuck you, dude. 
I don't blame Filipinos for that. I blame a very small section of the ruling class. Like, fucking take care of your people. Yeah. So frustrating. You know, when you've got people who have very little doing everything they can to grow the community and look out for the well-being of their compatriots, the people who are actually in charge have so much apathy. It's like, what the fuck? Like, benefit from the cultural richness of your own community and be a little bit more compassionate. So that's what I would say if <laughs> if anybody, if Philippines was listening to me, but I know they're not. So, okay. But with our growth in tow, instead we'll say thank you for this fantastic learning opportunity. Salamat. And for teaching us humility. Yes. And for teaching us to appreciate what is and not lament what isn't. And thank you for the world's best fucking mangoes. Yeah. That's definitely something that's fucking, better than in Canada. Yeah, I, and better than in Thailand and yeah. better than in Vietnam and better than yeah. everywhere else that has yeah. mangoes. <laughs> the best fucking mangoes ever. Yeah. Like, you could pick one up that was kind of squishy and like got black marks all over it and like a little dent and you open it up and it's like perfect. It's just absolutely perfect every single time. Yeah. No, thank you for the best fucking mangoes that I've ever put my lips to. And uh, as just said, salama. <laughs> um, join us next time where we talk about you know it's like more Thailand yeah we're, we're going to try to make it exciting um, we actually made an itinerary we have to rejig a bit but an itinerary of legitimate activities that we're going to do in Thailand so we actually have interesting things to talk about we're going to go scuba diving for sure we're going to go check out a national park for sure yeah. um, I'm actually going to fight for sure on March 10th, it's uh, it's already scheduled, uh, so I'm in training for the next two weeks. Yeah. Um, what else are we doing for sure? Oh, and we're gonna we're gonna finally oh, go paddleboarding. We're finally paddle gonna do. Oh no, we're finally gonna go paddleboarding. Yeah, we're gonna go explore the sunset, for yeah. sure. No more almost. No more almost. Like we're taking it. We're taking it all the way this time. Yep. So thank you, everybody. Salamat, Philippines. Okay. And hopefully we'll see you again. Miss you, Nina. <laughs> Take care. Bye.